Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, you're listening to the DPC podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things dead parent, the good, the bad and the banter, hosted by Sam and Kat. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Dead Parent Podcast. It's Kat with you again today, and I am speaking with a lovely lady called Hannah, who has moved to London all the way from New Zealand after her dad passed away a few years ago. Um, she Her story is quite individual as she speaks about how her and her dad had quite a difficult relationship and the difficulties that she had in reconnecting with him after he disclosed to her that he was terminally ill and navigating that whole new relationship again and how she has coped with life since that happened to her and how she has found comfort in grief communities like the Grief Network which she is a prominent member of and another grief community that I strongly recommend that you check out. Um, We'll talk about that again later on in this episode. Again if you resonate with anything that Hannah speaks about in this episode then we'll have her Instagram handle in the comments below. I'm sure she will appreciate talking to anybody who reaches out to her with similar circumstances and you can also find us online at dpcpodcast.com or on Instagram at dpcpodcast or on Facebook at the Dead Parent Club. Um, Feel free to reach out and send us a message if you want to get involved in any way shape or form. Um, We love talking to new people and yeah I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Thank you very much. And thank you, Hannah, for joining me on the show today. I really appreciate it. Um, so if you don't mind just doing a kind of like a brief introduction to like your name, um, obviously kind of where you've come from, obviously you've moved from New Zealand to London now, like kind of if you can a bit about what you do and stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I'm Hannah. Um, I am from a little place called Tauranga in New Zealand. Um, but I made the move to London just over a year ago. Um, I sort of really needed a change, needed a break from New Zealand. And, and I think part of that is, you know, carrying this grief story. Um, but I think an, another part for me is um, I just wanted to see a bit more of the world um, and be a bit closer to um, Europe and not kind of stuck down the bottom of the world in a mm-hmm. place 
so far to, and so long to, to do travel from. Um, I am 27 um, and I work in the UK civil service. So nice. at the moment, I'm a policy manager in the Department of International Trade. So a lot of my role is working on uh, Brexit, which makes mm. interesting days <laughs> at the moment. Um, but yeah, that's me. Oh, wow, that's exciting. How did you get into the civil service then from New Zealand? I was in the New Zealand civil service before I moved over. Oh. So sort of have a policy background. Um, but it was it was quite hard to sort of get in over here just because obviously it's such unprecedented times. Um, and Brexit? <laughs> yeah. I've seen on, as well, on your Instagram, yeah. your... Are you connected with the Grief Network as well? Yes, I am. Yeah. So I'm um, in the sort of, I don't know what we're calling ourselves, but the sort of the the team or the committee um, that has kind of jumped in behind Rachel to help her get some traction and grow the community. Wow, um, brilliant. Arrange events and um, try and get the word out and really um, try and build the movement a bit more. Um, which is is awesome. It's been um, it's, it's been a, a really nice thing for me being new to the sort of the country and the city, mm. feeling quite foreign and isolated, and having this experience, being able to connect with sort of such a um, a like minded community and yeah. get to like have that shared sense of building something together. Um, it's especially it's it's also been really nice because I feel like for the first time in a year I'm actually I'm making friends or, or meeting people that aren't just other Kiwis so yeah <laughs> sort of um way to connect a bit more with the kind of the life here um rather than just sort of staying in a bit of an expat bubble which has been really nice yeah well it's it's awesome um I've been looking at the grief network for a bit I reckon oh, that's cool. been it it's going to skyrocket I think that it'll do really well because the branding yeah. and stuff behind it is fantastic yeah it looks beautiful doesn't it mm. uh, well you know maybe we can um plug you guys into it a bit more as well and then you might be able to get some more people sharing their stories with you yeah yeah definitely yeah that would be really good um because yeah. we're especially we're we're kind of we really struggle getting men on yes. board and sharing yes. their stories it's really hard yeah. We're really aware of that as well and trying to um, make a sort of conscious effort to engage men and um, invite them to events and kind of that's something that we really wanted to make sure with that branding is it didn't, it yeah. didn't like it was kind of some old, um, old stale sort of support community network. Mm. It also wasn't some kind of like woman's club or something. Of- yeah, it's hard, isn't it? You can make things yeah. look really feminine or really masculine really easy I think that's kind of why we went for blue yeah yeah um yeah it's it's such a conversation yeah yeah so yeah it's one of my missions I think for the next year because we're we're actually a year old today oh my gosh happy birthday thank you (laughs) um yeah we we released our first episode a year ago today so I need to kind of post about that later but um it's something I I really want to do because a a lot of our guests I think I would say 90% of them have been women which you know it sucks really considering how big the like how many men are in the same boat as well so 
Yeah, well, I will do my best to put the word out there for you and, and try and get a few more male voices in. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, vice versa. I'll leave all of this in the podcast as well because it'd be good to direct people to the Grief Network as well, especially some of them. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, okay, that, sounds, that sounds great. Yeah. Um, so I suppose we've only got half an hour, so we better crack on. So I suppose the, the biggest story, you know, behind all of this is the kind of the nitty gritty. So um, this is the Dead Parent Club, of course. Um, yes. <laughs> how are you affiliated to the club that nobody wants to be a part of? <laughs> um, that's an excellent way of putting it. Um, so I, my father died about three and a half years ago. Um, I was 23. Um, we actually didn't have that much of a relationship when he died. Um, so my parents had uh, separated a sort of 10 years prior to that. And um, our relationship had deteriorated to the point at which it was pretty much non-existent um, and the, sort of the time at which it tailed off I was a very early teenager so when he he got sick and sort of got back in touch with me um, but the period between him sort of letting me know that he was sick and then him dying was very short it was just a couple of months so we were sort of in this weird um weird phase where we were kind of trying to rebuild a relationship but also to build a completely new relationship and sort of one really existed which was one between sort of father and adult daughter um which was really hard um and we never quite made it um which I feel is is a huge part of the kind of the grief narrative that I carry around Mm. with me now it's almost like you've lost something that you almost never had or that you had a very slim chance of getting back and and just as you were coming to terms with that it was ripped away so um it, it was a with without wanting to use the cliche too much it, it was a real roller coaster both in those months when he was still around and then immediately after as well um we had somebody on the podcast a few months ago called Tiffany and her... I listened to the episode. Oh, did yeah. you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Amazing, yeah, because I kind of saw it. It's kind of a similar way of your grief is like having something that you, like the choice of getting to know that person has now been ripped away from you, hasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, and I think, so as sort of another part of the story, which sort of complicated things was um, I wasn't living in the same city as him mm. when when he was around so sort of had this period of time where I was trying to travel and and see him and trying to rebuild a relationship over the phone and um trying to navigate that was was really hard um and I his own family um were not very good at looping and my brother and I around what was going on Mm. so ended up not being told how bad things really were towards the end um and no one actually bothered to get in touch with us so that we could say goodbye so Gosh. that was, that was a, a really hard part as well as you've kind of you've not only had his life ripped away from you but you've also kind of you've not been given that opportunity to even come to terms with that and, and say goodbye yourself yeah. um so so that was really tough yeah no I, I can imagine how did that 
happened like with regards to um him obviously reaching out to you I'm, I'm guessing he reached out to you after he found out he was sick right yes that's right um yeah I I remember because we we didn't really speak very regularly I think you know my birthday was the only day of the year where I would count on having a phone call from him mm. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. And I remember I was sort of at a friend's birthday event and I hadn't looked at my phone for a while and I I think I must have just hit the button and checked it or something and I had three missed calls from him and two from my brother and I remember thinking, this is really strange, like, what's going on? Um, And I tried to call my dad back and sort of an hour had passed and he didn't answer. So I then got in touch with my brother and was kind of like, you know, what's, what's going on? What do I need to know? Um, and he was like, oh, you know, it, it's not good news, but I feel like it's not my news to share. You really need to, to get in touch with him. Um, but it, yeah, it, it was, it was really strange. And it was almost like um, that initial phone call with dad, when we did finally manage to speak to each other, sort of, I think both of us felt like, we we weren't quite sure of how much time we had, but both of us felt like there was this almost like trigger moment of going, okay, like we need to figure out what both of us want and need here. And mm. we're going to sort of navigate this and we need to decide that pretty quickly yeah. because you don't have the luxury of time of, of kind of figuring out, you know, I'm just going to give myself a month and think about yeah. what I want. Out of <laughs> you know, you, you just can't do that. Um, so that, yeah, that was hard. Yeah, I can't. Obviously, you know, everybody's situations are completely different, but I found that it must have been really difficult to try and form a relationship that wasn't there before and under such kind of pre- like under such pressure as well. Yeah, it was, and um, it, there were so many kind of complicating factors, and and you couldn't just. I felt like I didn't have the ability to to really either take the time to understand what this relationship would or should be. Um, and actually, I, I, in a selfish way, I, I kind of wanted it just to be about him and I, but obviously it, it never can. I had a, I've got a sibling and, and he was part of the equation too. Um, my dad had a, a sort of recently gotten into a relationship, so there was a partner involved who 
I didn't know at all. Um, there was like his mother and his brother who, you know, when my parents' relationship broke down, that whole side of the family broke down as well. So it was like having to reconnect with an uncle and a grandmother and all of us kind of rallying around this man that we all had a different interpretation of and a different relationship with. Yeah. But all of us were coming to terms with losing him. Yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, it was it was very strange. So what has your kind of grief been like then since that happened? Because I kind of, I feel really sympathetic towards um, there's this kind of stigma surrounding grief, right? Where people think, you know, you have to have been really, really close with that individual and about yeah. to validate your grief and to validate how you feel. And I think that was especially one of the things that Tiff struggled with was that this grief really affected her, but she didn't feel like she had, you know, as much of a reason as other people to, to feel that way, which I think is something that you, I'm sure, being an active member of the grief yeah. network as well, you must be like a rallying supporter of people that, you know, you can validate your grief no matter your relationship with that person. That's right. And that's like, I think you've really hit the mark there with the kind of the main thing I struggle with is Mm. conflicting feeling of, first of all, not really knowing or understanding how you are supposed to grieve for a person that you never really had a relationship with. Mm. No framework for that or no guidance or, you know, the, it's it's not clear around you know these these strange societal expectations of what you should um and at the same time you know I feel like sometimes there's this sense of not really being deserving of the level of grief that I feel so a good friend of mine she recently lost her mother and I feel almost jealous of that in a way like they it is very clear and very linear that you know, she loved her mother and her mother loved her. Mm. And so it's horrible, great grief, but at least everybody understands what that is and why it's there yeah. and kind of empathizes with her. And I feel like, I, I feel this weird sense of kind of like jealousy about that or, um, you know, conflict that maybe I'm not deserving to, to sort of have, feel like there's such a gaping hole um, and then other times, you know, flipping the other way and being like, well, you know, I didn't even have that in the first place. So I've actually lost mm-hmm. more. And sometimes feeling like I've got this really narcissistic, very <laughs> selfish kind of sense of entitlement about how much grief that I am deserving of, which is um, a weird thing. So I think it's it's constantly sort of navigating this weird expectation of what's appropriate. And I think that's part of what I feel really passionate about yeah. through the involvement I've got with the grief network is actually like what's appropriate is just what's right for you and what you feel yeah. and nobody can actually put an expectation on you around you know how big or small your grief is or how long it lasts or what it looks like um and yeah I I, I think that's a really important part of this narrative that's one of the things that I really want to kind of push more towards as well is that these grief communities aren't just about supporting people that are grieving, but they're also about educating yeah. people that haven't yet experienced that and are supporting people that are grieving, you know, because right. we can do as much, as we, we can say as much as we can as people that, have, that you know, ongoing and um, suffering with grief, but it's the people around you as well that need the awareness that your grief is validated no matter what 
no matter how long it's been or who it was or anything like that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, it's it's a tricky one. Yeah, no, it is, and I can I can imagine you saying this as well because it's one of the things that people say. You know, when you say um, you tell somebody that your parents died, yeah. you then round that off with a, but I but I did I wasn't majorly close to him. You know how you would if it had been for me now. Yeah. I say, oh, my mum died, and then people go, oh, I'm so sorry. It's like, oh, you know, don't worry. It was four years ago now. When really, I shouldn't need to. No, you don't need to like um, have to put that like definer on yeah. it. Really, yeah. And I almost think that's part of what like being in the sort of the dead parent club or in the grief club. That's like a role for us is actually not letting ourselves do that. Yeah. And I was like, cut the conversation off like that because I think then people are like, oh, well, she said it was four years ago, so she's probably, you know, she's been really flippant about the fact that she didn't really know her dad, so it's all good. Yeah. And I think that's probably where we're doing a disservice to ourselves. A hundred percent, but it's part of our ways of trying to make that other person feel better about our own pains, isn't it? You know, we're so guilty of it. Which is is such an interesting, um, like, part of the story as well, is, like, you almost – as a griever, you end up becoming the person that yeah. like apologizes, making other people feel uncomfortable, yeah. or like trying to kind of play it down somewhat. And it feels sometimes like a real role reversal from what it should be. Massively, massively. I always feel like that. Um, yeah. I've got a kind, of, a kind of a bad complex in my head of like, if somebody starts getting upset around me, in my head, I'm like, what the hell are you getting upset for? Like, you aren't the one that's lost a parent, you know? And you feel a bit like, oh. Um, yeah. try not to say that out loud I think <laughs> yeah I know it's, it's weird it's really weird and you, you feel like I don't know I think another thing is if sort of feeling like you carry some level of guilt for being this person who's got some kind of slightly difficult story mm. that no one knows how to engage with or feels a little bit awkward with and I don't know whether it's like carrying some kind of sense of shame or guilt about something yeah. that completely no control over and actually did not choose um you know or, or should things have been different you wouldn't choose to continue carrying around that or that that piece of yourself that, that, that's um, so true yeah yeah um yeah so obviously with your mum and dad having a um they'd obviously ended their relationship quite a long time ago how was your mum with regards to like you know being a support or anybody else around you at that time obviously you had a sibling but where did you get your support yeah. from? Oh, I found that really hard. So I think I think the thing that I noticed straight away within the sort of family relationships was my family is quite small. So it's my mum, a younger brother, and myself. And we were all grieving a completely different person. Mm. Um, and I found it really hard to kind of balance those feelings or create a bit of a shared sense of, what was going on it felt my brother and I my brother and my father sorry had had retained a a lot better or a lot closer relationship than than I had and so my brother was grieving you know a a father that he engaged with and hung out with and you know talked to regularly and, and had a bit more of that um understanding of kind of love and affection yeah um was losing a parent that was quite present in his life um, I was losing something very different and then 
obviously my mother was losing, you know, the man she married, the man she had children with, um, and feeling kind of conflicting feelings of, of, you know, nostalgia for the the good times mm. and, and for, you know, the time that was lost. And, and I think a lot of us carried, you know, these horrible feelings of could we have done more or, you know, why did things have to play out that way? And what was our role in, in that? And, you sort of carry this sense of regret um I found that very hard um but I think with the sort of the wider support network and with with friends I think that comes back to sort of what we were talking about before around you know feeling like I first of all didn't even know what was appropriate or what people were expecting with my grief but also I think something that I, I feel like we don't talk about enough is, you know, when something like this happens, your whole identity changes, right? So mm-hmm. I felt like overnight, my whole frame of reference for my life and who I was mm-hmm. and what my story was just re-baselined forevermore. And, you know, I'd been sort of carrying around this narrative that I'd owned and very much identified with, which was kind of, you know, I'm in this relatively clear category of, complex slash emotionally distant father-daughter relationships yeah. <laughs> you know box well done um and all of a sudden I was someone who had a dead parent and it felt so much more personal and specific and I felt very more more aware that this was very much my own story and I sort of had to figure out what my identity was because of that and how this new version of me fit into all of these existing relationships and dynamics I had because I wasn't the same anymore and I didn't I didn't want people to expect the same of me um so I feel like you know in the intervening time it's influenced how I've been a sister and a a flatmate or a colleague a girlfriend you know all of those those dynamics I think change yeah and part is like figuring out you've got day one and then you've kind of got beyond and I think something around what we were saying before is you know people sort of expect that oh the funeral's over so it's done so now like it will still be hard but you'll be okay and sort of not quite being aware of the fact that pretty much forevermore you've got these weird trigger points where you like I don't know listen to a song or walk past someone on the street that kind of walks like him and I just start crying yeah. and people were like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know? um, so I think the kind of the support question is an interesting one because there's that immediate period of support where you, it's almost very clear that, you know, an, an event has just happened. Yeah. I think the ongoing support of actually carrying this story with you is the part that we need to talk more about which is why we've all created these kind of platforms right because yes exactly you know, it's exactly. good it's good that we're at the stage where we can do this because I think about 20 years ago or 10 years ago and this wasn't the case and what you were saying about before as well about how your identity changes that's why we want as you'll know you know we usually send a lot of yeah. questions out to everybody that comes onto the podcast just to give it a bit of a steer and we always have the you know, do you think it's changed the way that you go about your life and your attitude towards it and has it affected your relationships because it does and yeah. it changes them so so much and I really like the way that you've described that as 
like your identity changed from kind of fitting into one box of you know this kind of relationship with your dad and then suddenly the box that you then kind of fit yourself into is you know completely changes right so yeah yeah, I think I think every every single person that listens to this podcast and has lost a parent can 100% sympathize with that and the same for people that have lost you know close siblings and in relationships like that because your identity does completely change and the way that you introduce yourself to people completely changes as well absolutely yeah and your your kind of expectations on future relationships yeah as well so obviously you've you know moved to London from New Zealand um would you say that the death of your dad was like a catalyst for that and how has it been since you moved over have you kind of had more time to settle into your grief do you find it easy now to talk about it and like have you validated it with yourself yeah I think so to answer your first question around whether it was a catalyst I think I think absolutely um I feel like New Zealand is a very small place and while in the intervening time that was a really good thing because you know everybody knew what had happened knew the story I didn't have to be explaining it to people all the time Mm. Um, and it was it was a very tight-knit community at the same time there there became a point where I just felt I needed fresh perspective and I need to kind of you know part of the search for what is my identity now and how has that changed actually I need to go and do something a bit different Um, and I think you know, a, a few other sort of underlying factors to that. So I um, I found myself in a long-term relationship not long after dad had passed away. And I think reflecting on it now, it's so interesting to put it into the context of, of that grief story because I think we'd met, you know, a couple of months after the funeral. And I was sort of, I think the, the the kind of identity or the narrative that I portrayed was, oh, this happened three months ago, mm-hmm. but I'm moving on. And I don't think I knew how to communicate that I was still carrying this around and it was still extremely fresh. I don't think that he had the ability to understand that either because he hadn't been part of the story around the immediate loss. Yeah. Um, and, and I think yeah it it was it was really tricky and and as the time went on I actually felt like I wanted to hold on to my my grief story and my identity with that a lot more strongly and I think he was kind of going what's going on here you know we're moving away from this event and yet you almost you seem like you're going backwards yeah and and I think either of us really knew how to explain that to each other um and that relationship broke down not long before I moved to London so I think the kind of combination of of that and and the story with dad and many other things going Mm. on was really for actually you know just just go and start somewhere new and weirdly coming to London was good in a way because I could reset what that identity was because nobody knew yeah there was preconceived ideas of of who I was or what I'd lost or, you know, what kind of rubbish I was carrying around with me, um, which for the most part, when I was like pretty new here, I quite enjoyed that. Um, but obviously 
that is also combined with some times where you feel incredibly isolated mm-hmm. and alone because no one knows your story and it doesn't just warrant a couple of you know sentences about what's happened it's, it's much deeper than that and the kind of the thought of having to explain that to someone or go over all of the like you know tragic heartbreaking details was just too exhausting to imagine yeah um, so I think I think that's that's been quite hard um but I do have a lot of of good friends in London who are other New Zealanders who obviously know a bit of the story um as well so that's a nice sort of nice little bridge <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's interesting because obviously you know the girl that I co-host this with Sam she's been on Australia for the, the past year and she said kind of at first when she was over there it kind of gave her an opportunity to kind of get away from it all whereas then it kind of started creeping up on her the idea of she feels very disconnected from it now and away from everybody that knows her story and that she can talk about with and she felt like she was disconnecting further away from her dad again um and that kind of resonates quite a lot I think with what you just said as well you kind of you're very far away from it all so it's kind of hard then can um I don't know settling into it a little bit more and taking the time with your grief I suppose it's probably quite it's a bit easier maybe to ignore it when you're so far away yeah well I and I also think just like being content or empowered with the fact that you can actually change your mind and that you know one day or one week or one month you might think you know I'm fine I'm moving on it's okay I I don't need someone to know all of these Mm. parts of my like I, I'm navigating this life on my own and it's fine and I'm owning my story internally and that's okay and then other months you might think oh, I just wish that someone understood me and I can't be bothered explaining it but I really want someone to just ask me like who I am or or what's happened or what my story with yeah. is um and I think uh, I don't know it's, it's really tricky sometimes you sort of I find an overwhelming sense of just like wishing that someone would just ask yeah. or just show a bit of willingness and engaging with that. Mm. And yeah, and being able to have those conversations in a kind of non prejudiced way, in a way that doesn't then make you feel sort of guilty for wanting to share the details or having a vent or you know like yeah go much detail that may, might make somebody feel awkward yeah it's such to it's one of the things I miss the most about Sam being at home is having those conversations <laughs> with somebody because we're on such a level yeah. because it happened in s- such close proximity to each other and our situations were so similar like different parent but yeah. you know similar kind of situations at university etc yeah. um so yeah I can, I can completely sympathize with that yeah. um and I think that Part of that is, is like you say, like different parent, but but still very different relationships. And I think that's also a huge part of of what we what we are both doing and trying to open these conversations up is like you don't have to have had you know a very similar experience to have that conversation, but it's just having the understanding that something has happened to someone yeah. and they probably need to talk about it at some point and providing 
kind of safe platform for them to do that is actually all that we really need to do for each other. Um, you don't have to have the perfect thing to say. No. Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm very aware that we're kind of reaching when you have to go. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm, I've got going. I've got so much more to time say. Time flies so fast. It's horrible, isn't it? We'll have to get you on again. That's absolutely fine when Sam comes back. <laughs> Okay, that would be lovely. Yeah, I'm really sorry that this had to be so That's short. fine. Is there anything that you'd like to say quickly um, to people that have experienced something similar to you, to your specific kind of situation? I think maybe just don't be afraid to own your story um, and and to open up. And I think sometimes it's hard, but you will very quickly find out who those people are that you can go to and, and who they're not. Mm. Um in a weird way is almost a, a quick way of testing some relationships. Yeah, so true. But I also think I would just say you are so entitled to your grief and to the way that you choose to grieve with like how you do it, when you do it, what it looks like. Um, all of that is totally valid and it really doesn't need to meet anybody else's expectation. It's probably the, the main lesson that I feel like I've learned in the last three years. Yeah, amazing. Um very quickly you know thank you so much for coming on um if you would I know that obviously you're pretty kind of involved in these kind of communities and stuff and I don't know I know that we haven't had a chance to talk talk for very long so if you'd like to kind of write a blog post for anything on anything in particular you know to tell your story in kind of written form and kind of talk about things you haven't had the chance to then feel free you know for us to share we can share it on the on the DPC platform and link people to that um yeah that would be fantastic um really love to and really keen to work with you both um as the kind of the grief network yeah. evolves and the community seems so engaged and um growing at an absolutely rapid yeah. rate so definitely keen to make those links with you guys and with the podcast as much as we can yeah. because we're really not in competition with we're stronger stronger together right <laughs> yeah and it's just the more resources the merrier yeah no 100 percent. So, yeah I agree yeah brilliant well I'll let you crack on to your work phone call thank you so much for logging on um yeah. Yeah, no worries Kat nice to yeah you too you. I'll send you a message later because I don't want to keep you for much longer now <laughs> I'll talk to you soon okay thanks, bye Hannah Kat. bye Thank you so much for listening to this week's DPC podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have and have found some comfort in the stories that you've heard today. If you've resonated with anything we've said, have any questions or want to get involved, please do contact us. We are on Instagram. It's at DPC podcast. You can email us on dpcpodcast at hotmail.com or we have a contact form on our website www.dpcpodcast.co.uk We have a whole bunch of resources over on our website. More information about dealing with grief, losing a parent and professionals to contact if you should need it. Because as Kat so eloquently said in our first podcast, we're not providing healthcare, we're just chatting <laughs> If you think this podcast could help someone then we would love for you to share it. We upload new podcasts every week so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. Loads of love from Sam and Kat. Nailed it. Nailed it. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.